Hey everybody, welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and if you've been a regular listener, you know that this episode is going to be Mondays with Mando, and it's a big one. This is the recap of the season finale uh, for season two, and with that, we thought we'd bring a special guest back. Uh, you will know him from the basement binge. Harrison has joined us again, so Harrison, welcome. Thank you for having me again. And uh, as always with these episodes, uh, Rob is my co-host here, which has been a lot of fun. And I know we're both really excited to uh, have Harrison here and talk about this episode because, guys, there's there's a lot to dig into that not only is for the world that The Mandalorian has created, there's a lot to dig into for the Star Wars universe in general um, from this episode and where it might go in the future. So, we're really looking forward to talking about this, and Rob, we're going to start with you today and our two-minute warning portion where this is spoiler-free talk about what you thought of this episode. So, Rob, take it away. Yeah, um, you know, honestly, I was kind of worried that um, we might just have to cancel this this week's episode because there just wasn't going to be much to talk about. Um, you know, certainly not a whole lot happened, did it? I mean... No, there's crazy stuff that happened. Like there, we get some, we get certain payoffs on things that had been setting up all of last, all of this season. Um, we get an ending that certainly um, sets things in motion for what season three will be, and some some ways that this show will tie into the larger uh, Star Wars universe that they're building right now. Um, you know, with this episode, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you're going to feel pretty much every emotion that's out there. Um, I, as I've said before, I, I typically will watch this on Friday night with, with my family and just kind of enjoy it. And then I'll do a rewatch where I'll, I'll make different notes and things like that that I want to uh, make sure that we get a chance to, to discuss and break down. And uh, just busy weekend for me. Um, didn't actually get a chance to do that until I was on on my lunch break at work. And this is not an episode you want to watch on your lunch break in the break room <laughs> at work because, man, there's you're just going to feel all of the feels. And um, it, you know, once again, um, just just great writing, great characterization, phenomenal performances. Um, Star Wars is fun again, as we've said. Um, everybody universally loves The Mandalorian. You're going to have different opinions about the three trilogies that, that encompass the Skywalker saga. You're going to have films that you've said you've liked. You're going to have films that you've said you dislike. And you're going to have films that other people are going to say they like, that you're going to say is incorrect to like, and you're not allowed to like this one, or you're not allowed to dislike this one, or this one's overrated or underrated. Um, we don't get any of that with The Mandalorian. It's just enjoyable, great, just fun every week. And uh, this week was no different. Awesome. Harrison, what are, what are your thoughts here, bud? Yeah, I think that I've been looking forward to recording this episode with you guys. You know, I, I was actually really looking forward to your episode coming out and then I remembered, Oh yeah, I'm going to be a part of it because I feel like, <laughs> and I'm also saying this for you and you and Rob, Matt, that I feel like I'm a little bit of an outlier with this episode. I want to like this episode so badly and I just had a hard time with it. Normally, I rewatch the episodes. I watch them on Friday, and then I rewatch them in preparation for the podcast, whether it's my own or being on yours. And I 
kept trying to, and I just, I just couldn't. And it's hard to kind of explain why without spoilers, but there was this episode kind of like Rob said, had me through all the feels, but in a completely different way through like total high points of elation and excitement to like just disappointment and absolute frustration. And also like trying to figure out in myself why it is that way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great. I I'm excited mainly to hear what you guys have to say. So maybe I can work through my own thoughts about it because so badly there's let me, let me say this. This episode is great, great writing, great television making, great performances, great Star Wars, great integration into the universe that Star Wars is and what it adds to Star Wars as a whole in the galaxy far, far away, not just the Mandalorian episode. And I want I, I see all those components of it and it should culminate together for something that's just phenomenal. But for whatever reason, for me, it just falls apart. And I'm just left having to admire the individual pieces that, for whatever reason, aren't sticking together for me. So I'm excited to – maybe you guys can help me put those pieces together and appreciate it. So, uh, Harrison, uh, not only – you know, obviously, uh, it's a blast to have you on these episodes. And anytime we collaborate, and the last one was a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. uh, you and I had talked individually before this episode, and I was getting the feeling that you weren't – necessarily a huge fan of this episode like you said the you know the sum of its parts so to speak so i hadn't even talked to rob about that so i'll be interested to hear your overall thoughts like you said you know this this two minute warning portion we're not talking spoilers so it's kind of hard to say like why you feel this way um but i've been looking forward to hearing your exact thoughts on this episode because i knew that it seemed like you were leaning in that direction And I've also had some individual conversations with Rob and some of my other friends about how we feel about the episode. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to just go back and forth. But I do enjoy this episode for the 96% that it's on my screen. Uh, There's some things that, that get to me, and we'll get into that. But I think this is a very, very good episode. Uh... I've been anticipating this and it's weird. And I don't know if it's work or just, you know, uh, Christmas is coming up and everything, but you know, this aired on Friday. Uh, we're talking now it's Monday night and it feels like it's been two and a half weeks. Like I was so anticipating (laughs) like getting on with you guys and talking about this that I'm like, it really feels like I watched this episode a lifetime ago already. And it's literally only three days. Um, that I've been sitting on all of these feelings. So um, I'm just going to get past my two minute, uh, you know, my two minute warning here. And this is the portion of the episode listeners where if you haven't seen this episode for some reason, and you haven't been spoiled and you don't want to know what we're going to talk about in depth, pause the episode, watch the Mandalorian season finale, and then hit us back and start off where you, where you pause it here. Cause we're going to get into major spoilers, and uh, if you guys don't mind, um, Harrison, I'm going to pose this question to you first. Um, okay. The one character that I want to talk about is maybe not the one that everybody thinks I'd start off with, but it's Boba Fett. And for me, I found it very unusual, regardless of what happens at the end, that he was very much a side thought in this episode to me. Um I really thought this being the season finale, we'd get more of him. And he just kind of seemed like a placeholder to get them to where they needed to be. And then he was gone. 
Um, that is one of my gripes about this episode. How did you feel about that? Were you were you surprised by his lack of involvement? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that was one of the things that, like you said earlier, I was trying to remember the things about this episode. And it feels like it happened in eternity ago. I can remember the end, and that's it. And everything else is like mush. So I appreciate you bringing up Boba Fett because I think I was trying to read through my past notes here. When Boba Fett was introduced in an episode, I think it was just two episodes ago. The tra- yeah, the tragedy. He was a different type of... I mean, it was great to see him back. He was back in his armor. It was epic action. I think I was actually on the episode with you guys when we talked about that. Oh, yeah, and yep. the horrible camera angles. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the character of Boba Fett was introduced, at least to me in my interpretation, uh, it's very different than I think has been imagined for him. We saw a really loyal, you know, um, almost tied to his own creed, so to speak, although he says he doesn't follow any creed, you know, but he felt like he had a debt to Mando and he was loyal to the point where they traveled across the entire galaxy, tracking people down and went through all this work that Boba was involved in just because of the debt they had to pay. So what am I saying all this? It's just, I thought it was just an interesting take on Boba. He wasn't just like a bounty hunter that was just ruthless out there for that paycheck. It was a more, uh, I don't know, changed, you know, someone who's experienced some things in the deserts of Tatooine that's maybe changed his, his loyalties, and then the, it gets to the end of the season. He's just like, "Peace out. I'm going back to Jabba's palace." You know, like it just—he was just there until he was gone. And it, the t- and the way that I thought the character was going to go, just I was like, "What? He's gone so fast!" And then he shows up at the end of the episode. And he's just going back to like Jabba's palace, which I guess that's fine. I guess I just was expecting him to be—I don't know—less bounty hunter-ish. I don't know. So I, I was, but to answer your initial question, I was sad. You know, he like light speed jumps out of there and I was like, that's it. He's not coming <laughs> back. And I kept waiting for him to come back in the entire episode and he never did. Yeah. Rob, what are you, what are your feelings on, on that portion of this? So it's hard to understand what his motivations have been um, throughout this series. You know, we got that glimpse of him in season one and everybody kind of lost their minds about, okay, you know, hey, this character that we all like, and and we kind of covered it throughout, um, you know, the recaps of this season. You know, he's very much like Darth Maul in that he's got very few lines. Everybody thinks he's a total badass, even though he was killed off in a ridiculous and silly way. Um, And yet they bring him, they bring both of those guys back in future episodes um, of, of Star Wars lore. Um, so we, we were trying to figure out, okay, so then we saw him at the beginning of the season, um, um, with the episode, um, where, where, you know, the very first episode of the season and we saw him and we're trying to understand what he's there for. So he shows up, he's, he's back for his armor. Apparently, um, he makes a deal for it. He agrees to risk his life just because of his, his word. And then you're right. He just kind of pieces out. It almost feels to some extent. Um, and then we see him just take over a Jabba's palace. Like I don't, what's his end game like you know it seemed like he was just kind of cruising around the galaxy in slave one just you know um picking up bounties turning them in seemed like he was doing pretty well with that like what's the motivation for him to now just say all right i'm a gangster like (laughs) i'm just you know java's dead java's gone i'm gonna go and i'm gonna take out the guy that took over for him and i'm just gonna be the new java like i don't i don't really understand what's in it for him i don't understand why he makes that decision it to some extent 
sort of cheapens his appearance to me um, in this series because it feels like they brought him back in The Mandalorian just for the sake of spitting him off into his own series. Um, I, I don't know. I, for as much as I've said that I do like this, and, and Harrison, you've said that you know, you're, you're kind of struggling with why you like parts of this but overall don't feel like you like it. Um, it you know, look, I really did enjoy this episode as a whole. But if you want to sort of pick out certain things here and there, they're there. There's there's op- there's opportunity to pick some things out here and there. Um, and certainly, you know, we kind of jump from the beginning of, of this episode to the end with the end credit scene. Um, starting right with that, you know, we're getting the book of Boba Fett, which, you know, if you haven't had a chance to uh, listen to uh, Matt Goes to the Mailbox that we recorded last week, you know, we, we got a chance to really go into all of the crazy amount of stuff that Disney announced. And this was not one of the things that we were able to talk about because to that point, it had not been announced. And they kind of dropped this on us that we're, we might be getting a full series. It might be a limited, you know, just like a mini series. We don't really know. Um, I, I'm very confused about what they're doing with Boba Fett and why. Yeah, you know, one of the things for me is, um, Rob, you didn't quite say this, but some of the things that happened with Boba Fett here um, and Harrison, you kind of alluded to it, feel like a betrayal of the character when we first meet him. Because let's not forget one of the things that he says to Mando is, like, I'm just a simple guy trying to make his way across the universe. Um, he certainly doesn't seem like a simple guy at the end of this episode. Uh, you're basically what looks like taking over, like, a mob empire. And that didn't really seem to be Boba Fett anymore from this show. Um, and I'm not saying that what they're going to do with his show isn't, you know, probably going to be fantastic. I have no reason to doubt them at this moment, but to me, it felt like a little bit of a backtrack on what we thought Boba Fett was because he did seem like, Hey, I used to be a bounty hunter, but I don't know, however long he spent in the Sarlacc pit, um, you know, certain things throughout his journey seem to have kind of changed him a little bit. And, You know, him just kind of bouncing out and then showing up there to just, you know, be like, well, I run this now, uh, didn't quite sit right with me. Um, One thing that did sit, you know, incredibly well with me, though, was his scene with Bo-Katan. And Rob, uh, we talked about this a little bit, but some of the lines from her made me think back to the prequel trilogy. And I'll be curious what you guys think of this, because when she told him... You know, he said, careful, my father wore this armor. And she said, don't you mean your donor? Obviously, you know, referencing the fact that he's a clone. And she said, you know, I've heard your voice a thousand times. Um, I, I thought that was really good. There was a lot of tension there. But it made me once again think about the prequel trilogy and all of the, you know, the characters that have been affected in this universe based on certain events like the clone wars and even watching the show. Um, because obviously if you've watched the clone wars TV show, you know that Bo-Katan has heard his voice a thousand times and, you know, seen his face, so to speak, because they all have the same face. Uh, so I really like that. And obviously we get another fight scene with him and his, his fight scenes have been nothing but top notch. So that was great. And I think that's maybe another reason why it was so disappointing is because we get a brief glimpse again of him just kind of throwing down and then 
he's he's gone. You know, here's the thing about that bar fight, though. It felt a lot like the fight with Ahsoka right at the beginning of the episode called The Jedi, where, you know, before they actually figure out they're all kind of on the same side, they have to have a fight scene because they think that's what we want. This bar fight, it seemed unnecessarily, like, hostile, where, you know, it just didn't seem like they they weren't really even just having a conversation. They were just throwing insults at each other almost or, or posturing. And it really felt like just a cheap way to get Sasha Banks to do a pro wrestling move in the Mandalorian <laughs> and, and appeal to the WWE fans. Like that's, that's really that I, on my second watch through, like I just went, Oh yeah, this is exactly why they did this. Cause they haven't done that for her yet. She she got in that tornado DDT. She she. <laughs> I was yeah. I was talking to my brother a little about it over the weekend, and I was saying that one of the moments that made or one of the things that made that moment so difficult is that the character of Bo Katan is just so cringy to me, and it's nothing. It's not the fault of the actor or anything like that. It's just even in the Clone Wars, Bo Katan to me and my memories of it always kind of rode the line of gray in a way that I really didn't like. It, it seems on a moment's notice she could be for the good guys, in air quotes, and another moment she was a bad guy. And I just never really – I just thought her character was a little slimy, and that kind of makes her, her, her aggressive personality a little cringy to me, especially in that moment in the bar fight. But I did think the fight scene was sweet. I thought the action was well-edited, well-directed. It was good choreography. Um, but I think that – the to me, it was bringing out those negatives of Bo-Katan for, I think, some things that are going to be happening in Season 3. And so that actually really excited me. I, I, I cringed at the bar fight just because of the presence of Bo-Katan and the, the, the nature of that. But it got me excited for some things that I think might happen because of that in Season 3. Yeah, um, that's that's a really good point. And, you know, we're talking about how, like, right now this some of these things in this show have, you know, we're thinking about the clone wars. We're thinking about the prequel trilogy. And once again, you get a mention of Alderaan when they're trying to capture the doctor. And again, it's really, this just seems like it is setting up to include everything because they really make it a point to talk about the fact that he's like the head of the cloning like project. Uh, which we all know is very, very relevant in the sequel trilogy. And I feel like it just all ties together. But once again, this made me think of the the Empire and the people that are with them that might just be doing what they are ordered to do because when uh, – shoot, uh, what is uh, her name, guys? I am totally forgetting Can it I now. Do? Yes, Cara Dune. I just drew a blank. Um, when he's saying, you know, I was on the Death Star when we destroyed Alderaan, she's like, which one? He's like, do you think that's funny? Do you know how many millions of people died on those installations? Uh, this show has done a really good job of, Harrison, you just said air quotes, and I'll, I'll say that as well. Um, you know, the bad guys, making you try to see things from their perspective because – probably not all of them are essentially bad guys, so to speak. And, you know, yeah, there's, you know, thousands upon thousands of people who 
were wiped out when those Death Stars were destroyed and, you know, whatever else during these, uh, these movies. You know, one of the things I've liked about particularly um, season two is it does do exactly what you were just saying in making you have to understand that there's more to it than just black and white. There's some shades of gray out there and not every uh, officer of the empire is evil. Not everybody believes what they're doing is evil. Not everybody understands that they're, um, you know, the, the ruling class of the empire are Sith and evil and terrible and torture people and kill people and abduct and, and do all these terrible things. Um, you know, for the longest time, um, you know, World War II video games and Star Wars games sold really well and were really easy to do because they're very easy bad guys. The stormtroopers are all bad guys. Just waste them all. You know, it's it wasn't until even really uh, you get this a little bit with Finn in the sequel trilogy where he, he kind of goes, wait a second. No. And, and has it doesn't agree with what's going on, but there's more of them out there like him. And, and we're seeing that. Um, and I really do like, um, you know, some of the shades of gray, but yeah, you could, you could waste as many Nazis as you want in any video game and not have to feel bad about it. You can waste as many stormtroopers or Sith or whatever you want and not feel bad because these are black and white bad guys. Um, so far the Mandalorian is kind of showing you a couple different things. I mean, think back to, different parts of just this season you know we had x-wing show up and that's a bad thing like whoops no here's you know here's part of the new republican and, and that's not good for our heroes and then there was another uh part where you know the tie fighters show up and save the day and holy crap when's the last time you were ever excited to see tie fighters show up and stormtroopers cheering like we've never done that in the history of star wars and yet we we did both of those things um in season two Yeah, um, you know, I, I totally agree. Uh, Harrison, what are, you know, is, does that dive into anything that you don't like about this episode? Or is it more, you know, are there just different elements that you aren't a fan of? Um, I think the, um, well, let me, let me phrase this the right way. I remember on Friday when I, I was like, oh, it's Friday. The season, it's a season finale of Mandalorian. And I was like, like, I got all excited. And so I pulled out my phone and looked at, you know, just opened up the Disney Plus app and looked at the episode and it said like 43 minutes or 47. I don't remember exactly how long. It's 40-something minutes. I was like, that's it? Um, and I think that for the first time, it's like I do with the podcast, If you, anyone who's listened, at the end of it, I do the hypothesize with Harrison, which is something I've never... I mean, when I watch a TV show or movie, you always think about what's going to happen. You have your speculations, but it's never something that I've put it so much work into um, mm -hmm. like I have because of the podcast, which has been a ton of fun. But I think it really changed the way I watch movies. I've never had so much uh, weight going into an episode. You know, I've never had so much personal investment into what might or might not happen. And I think that changed a, a lot about just how I feel about the ending of the season as a whole. Like one, the only note I have written down for my podcast that I haven't recorded yet is it's over. And I have, I, I don't know what to talk about because it's over. Like, I think well, that might be the biggest thing that's kind of just taking the whole mood down is it like, it's it like all of this, you know, I've got to wait an entire year for anything else. All this stuff I was hoping that would happen or might lead to, you know, it's over. And what's yeah, there you were is hoping there. for Mace Windu. 
right? You were hoping I know, it was Mace yeah. Windu and it showed up and it was not Mace Windu. Although I will say in the week after that, that aired, there was a ton of stuff online uh, with people doing fan art or, or just different things with Mace Windu showing back up. So, um, you know, you definitely touched into a, a, a nerve of, um, you know, some other people that were hoping for that. Um, I, I think the I think the character that does show up is probably going to be controversial as well with some fans. But I want to start at the beginning of this, as far as just little things that kind of make you go, huh? Um, the plan is basically to steal, stop me if you've heard this before, we're going to get onto this Imperial base or ship, and we're going to do it by stealing an Imperial shuttle. Now, where have we heard that before? <laughs> oh, wait, literally everything Star Wars ever starts with stealing an Imperial shuttle. I it's a little I derivative for me. I believe that was actually the plot of the notebook as well. Um, so that he could, <laughs> so I, I don't know who, who came up with the idea first, but I, I think maybe it is star Wars, but I, I've seen the it notebook movie with Ryan Gosling, <laughs> <laughs> like the romance movie. Yeah. So you've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't want to. Make, I, I, if you are, it makes sense. I just maybe I'm, the reference went over my head. Just wanted to make. No, sure. yes, yes, that is exactly the movie I'm talking about. But no, Rob, you're a you're hundred percent. You have to watch. You have to watch the DVD extras to see it. Exactly. Buy the Blu-ray, you bum. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> Rob, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's almost every single Star Wars plot revolves around that. Yeah, so just to kind of start things off, I mean, we kind of get that, but I will say, um, so shortly after that, you know, we we, uh, we get the, our main credit scene, and you notice the main credit is not the standard main credit scene that we've been getting um, all throughout this this series. There's definitely more of an epic level to all of the music. Um, certainly, as we talk about the Mandalorian as a show, um, season one and season two, you really can't talk about this show for too long without getting into just how incredible the score is. And um, and I think they really treated the score and the use of the music in this differently. You know, they know that this was something different. They did a different end credit uh, score as well, and, and I think it really reflected. Um, you know, you don't get that big, epic, sweeping, heroic sounding, you know, kind of swaggering theme that we normally finish the Mandalorian with. Um, it was more melodic. It was symphonic. It, um, you know, I think it certainly reflected a lot of the conflicting emotions that, that people have coming out of this. Um, but I actually looked some stuff up on, um, on the composer, um, for this and it's, um, it's really amazing, um, his name is Ludwig, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name because his last name is spelled with an O and two dots above it. I don't speak whatever language that is, uh, <laughs> but his name is Ludwig Gorenson. I'm going to try it. Ludwig Gorenson, named after Ludwig von Beethoven, um, whose other work includes the Grammy Award-winning score for Black Panther, which don't listen to Matt. Black Panther's a great movie. It's top five in the MCU. <laughs> Matt doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to not liking Black Panther. But even, even Matt, you've got to admit, even though Black Panther didn't land for you the way it did for me, the score for it and the music and the use of music throughout it was incredible. Oh, it's um, fantastic. So it's um, he also worked with Childish Gambino and actually produced, I believe, all of his albums, including uh, the Grammy Award winning track, uh, This Is America. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see he's, you know, he's got, he's somebody who's certainly got a real hip hop flavor to what he does. And he produces this big orchestral sounding, just 
awesome score. Um, I'm glad that I took the time to look that up because, um, you know, it, it definitely makes me appreciate him even a little bit more. Yeah, film film scoring is something that, like, I spend way too much time investing. Like, any – not any movie, but just about any film, one of the first things I'll research is a score. Pretty much all I listen to on Spotify is film scores. I just, like, I think I just have an over – abundance of love for film scores so Ludo Jorgensen is one of my favorites he also just did the score for Tenant and uh, every single time when it does a little intro and it says the Mandalorian and then it gives you the title like that's my favorite part of every episode because <laughs> the music <laughs> is just so good uh, yeah. but I agree with you th- with this season like I feel like they allowed th- th- as the season ended to let that awesome Mandalorian intro that we can all, you know, it's all in our head, like allow it to like grow into the, the grandiose John Williams, star Wars score. Um, and I wasn't expecting that. And I thought, you know, even later when the individual, the Jedi does arrive that we all know that was handled in a great way. Like, I, I just really feel like, for, for me personally, the, the score in this particular episode took a front row even more than it normally does. And I just thought it was a great addition to this, the score of Star Wars. More iconic yeah. score. The, the trilogy made by John Williams and, and all of the great things we got with that. Um, you know, thinking back to even Duel of the Fates from Phantom Menace or or the Mandalorian score. What, what stands out as more epic and, and iconic to you? Because... I, I'm going to say it's the John Williams stuff, but I almost feel like I'm doing that by default. Like, I don't really feel like I can defend it if I had to say why it was significantly better than what we get in Mandalorian. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good question because the score in Mandalorian is really, really good. And speaking of, like, for me, this was a real high point for me in this episode. And maybe actually... If it's not 1A, it's 1B. But the score that accompanied the Dark Troopers was oh, fan- yeah. was, that was awesome. unbelievable to me. It had that almost club-like uh, techno dubstep beat to it. And for me, it's the first time really in Star Wars. Like, say what you will about Vader and everything like that. But... They did, for the short amount of time, they did an amazing job of making these dark troopers, and I hope we eventually get to see more of them. It was the first time that I was really, really intimidated by a Star Wars character on screen because it really looked like they were about to to do some damage. Yeah, I, I think that's something that one of you mentioned on a previous podcast where you're saying like when a stormtrooper shows up, it's almost not threatening enough. Right. And anytime throughout this whole season, especially the season finale, like I was so terrified of those dark troopers, especially as the episode started to come to an end and they're punching their way through the blast doors. I was like, how is this going to go? Like right, is about to go down because they're threatening. And I hope that we get more of them for that reason. Yeah. And too, really- it was, uh, go ahead, Rob, go. Yeah, I was gonna say they really had like a like a terrifying T eight hundred vibe. Like if that was Schwarzenegger underneath there, you would have been like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like this episode when we get these dark troopers, it was really so far the most of like a horror style element that we haven't really seen before. I mean, these were definitely like 
terrifying as far as how they were presented. And um, yeah, I, I was in love with how they did that. I mean, they really did feel like a significant threat in ways that most other Star Wars villains, you know, typically don't, at least as far as like your drones, your soldiers, your foot soldiers, your big bads. You know, we, we certainly fear Palpatine. We fear Vader. We fear Darth Maul um, until he gets stupidly cut in half for no reason. Um, <laughs> but as far as just like your rank and file bad guys that are intended to be slaughtered, like you never you never fear them. I feared these guys. And when he's just like smashing Mando's head into the wall, like, holy cow, like, that guy, I mean, even though he's got the Beskar helmet, he's the he's at least concussed. Like his his bell is wrong for <laughs> sure. Like I feared for his safety. I thought he was going to get lumped up bad, and he did. Um, and when he when he pu- pulls out the flamethrower and the door, the the uh, dark trooper is just like meh and throws him. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Um... And it made him even more like so they you know they blow out of the air duct and it made him even more intimidating. Like I I literally felt it in my chest when they were like, "How many life signatures?" Zero. I was like, "Oh God, no, no." Oh, yeah. And then they just like you just see the blips on the radar start flying in, and I was like, "The oh my." Like somebody like I was really nervous for the main cast in this episode. I was like. One of them, like one of them's done. Like these dark troopers, like we're actually going to get somebody just being torn apart by these dark troopers. Um, but I, the way that they made them seem like such a threat, also really helped with the fact of how you know we'll go into it, but how powerful the person was who ended up taking them out because I think it just showed that level of where this Jedi is in terms of how powerful they are, that they just were able to wipe through them. So I think the fact that they made them so intimidating um, also helped tie into the fact of showing how powerful the next character was. Right. It's a good thing they had those served a lot more than just fear. Right. Exactly. it's a good thing we had the dark troopers though, because once again, all of our characters that we're following and our heroes would definitely be dead if stormtroopers were anything other than just totally wet, just a total wet noodle. Like that's yeah, <laughs> I, uh, they apparently do no training at all whatsoever. Like just to be a, to be a stormtrooper, you you don't even have to be able to tie your shoes. Like they just say, "All right, here's your white armor, kid. Have a blaster. Point it at the other direction. If you hit something, I'll be surprised." Like it's. You know, we'll get to it when we talk about, you know, low points of, of the series or, or of the season so far. But, man, like, I I was very critical of the previous episode with just how bad the, you know, just the the stormtroopers were at their jobs. How They were, like, almost intentionally mm-hmm. bad at it. Um, it. It This week isn't as bad as last week, but it's not far behind. So, again, Harrison, if you're trying to look for reasons why it's okay to dislike it, there's... There's reasons here. And even at the beginning, when Pershing is just kind of like answering their questions, they're, they're saying, okay, so how do we get in? He's like, well, you do this. How many are there? There's this many people there. Like, no, you can't go that way. You have to go this way. Why exactly is he helping him? Did I miss something? Like, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me that he was just totally cool helping them out. Yeah, I think it's just like he's, for me, I think it was just to show that he's kind of... I don't know. I, I don't want to say a coward, but like, oh, geez, you don't have to put any pressure on me. I'm just going to give you what you want. Um, 
But it was just so like, okay, he's willing to help no matter what. But Rob, I can't remember if it was our episode or Harrison, the one that you joined us on. But I remember making a comment where it's so weird with the stormtroopers because they'll sit there and they fire, you know, they fire away, fire away, fire away, trying to like, you know, kill the rebels until they actually get them. And they're like, Hey, drop your weapons, put your hands up. And they do it again in this episode. They're, they're behind them on the bridge and they could have just shot them in the back and hold it right there. And and like, what (laughs) you just spent all of this time shooting at them, trying to kill them. And you have them dead to rights and they it's it's the same thing again they just nope never mind <laughs> once again we have a complete lack of imperial osha because none of these bridges have um guardrails or anything of the sort but it does allow us the opportunity to have you know the mandalorian crew um you know beam up with their jetpacks and take everybody out that that was a cool action scene even if it really doesn't hold up to any scrutiny yeah, that, that was pretty cool to, to watch them do that. Um, so what, guys, let me let me ask you, and uh, Harrison, if you want to start. Uh, Moff Gideon, I maybe feel like I wanted a little bit more from him. Um, he certainly seems like an intelligent guy, and who knows what we'll see in season three. And we do get him in a fight scene. But I don't know, I, I find myself, and maybe that is a good thing because we are getting a season three, but I, I just found myself kind of wanting more, and him overall in season two, I, I'm left feeling a little empty, so to speak. Yeah, I thought that uh, Moff Gideon, anytime he was on screen, specifically the actor just soaked it up, like he just demanded my attention whenever he's on screen including this last episode um i thought he was great i really love him anytime he's there anything he's involved in like this guy is a great villain he's intimidating but not stupid like like he has he has an awareness of threats um and he understands what he's up against when the mandalorian's coming for him you know he acts with intelligence but i feel like he was only included in the season when absolutely necessary like it didn't feel like he was a constant part of the story. It was like, oh, every once in a while, we got to remind you that there's an overarching villain of this season. His name's Moff Gideon, and he's got the dark saber, and he has some dark troopers, and he's after Baby Yoda. Okay, now that we reminded you back to whatever we were doing on some other planet, you know. <laughs> so when when he was there, he was great. But it just I felt like the way he was used, I don't think was as overall. Um, as it was in season one, but I am excited. Hopefully we do get more of him. Like you said, in season three, because especially in this, this finale, I thought everything he was involved in. I was just like, this is a great villain that I really love to see. Yeah. Rob, what are, what are your thoughts? I love the moment when Din opens the, the door to get to where he thinks um, baby Yoda is. And boom, there he is. Like you, you weren't expecting that. You, he opens the door. There's baby Yoda. There's Moff Gideon. He's got the dark saber on him, and it was just the way that it was it was presented and, and edited. It was just boom, here it is. Like it, it was a real surprise. It wasn't like a jump scare. It was just something that you know you really got caught unexpectedly by, and I loved it. Um, and, and that whole scene was really interesting, and and you got caught off guard because Moff Gideon was just gonna be like, ah, you know what? I've got what I want. Go ahead, you take him. And and I was very surprised by that, and I thought, 
okay. And what was interesting to me was Din kind of says, you just keep the saber. He knows full well that Bo-Katan is only there for it. And that's what she agreed to come along with. And he's like, listen, just, just give me, give me the cute little green cookie monster and, and I'll take him home and, and you keep that. I'm, I'm backing out of all my other deals. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and of course it's just a trap. Um, and, and yes, I absolutely love uh, Giancarlo. Um, I, I, think he's fantastic i think he should be every bad guy that that he can possibly be because he's so good at it um i will say this i found him significantly less menacing this week than i had basically the whole rest of the series um every time he showed up i I guess menacing is really the only word you can use i mean he just dripped it he just oozed that i have power I'm a bad guy. I'm going to accomplish what I want to do however I can. And I have the ability to accomplish these terrible things that I'm going to try to do. And, and something, it just wasn't quite there as much for me um, in this week's episode. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of those points. And uh, Harrison, I'm going to, I'm going to refer to you again first because you have watched the Clone Wars and I want to stick with the Darksaber for a second here because I manufactured tension over the Darksaber after, you know, Mando defeats Moff and Bo-Katan's like, what happened? And, oh, she can't take it from you. When it was already established in the Clone Wars, Clone Wars series that that has happened, um, so having watched the Clone Wars, I was kind of like, wait a minute, you're, you're rewriting the rules for the dark saber just to, to have tension in this scene. Um, that, that fell really flat with me. Yeah. I thought it was weird. I, I mean, let me say this in the episode when it was happening, I thought it was hilarious. Like the way he like holds the dark saber up to her and the way it's composed in the blocking where she's above him and his hands an open palm. And he's like, I yield. I was mm-hmm. cracking up. I thought that was hilarious. Um, great characterization for Din as well. But then after the episode ended, I was like, wait, why didn't she take it like she did before? Like the only reason that Bo-Katan had the Darksaber in the first place is because she accepted it when Sabine gave it to her. And I was like, what? Like it, <laughs> After the fact, I was like, this makes no sense. She took it before. That's the only reason she had it. And now she's like against that. Um so I'm I'm confused by it. I, I will say this. I, I th- it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to say the same thing that I said about the helmet thing earlier. Like, I remember when the Mandalorian first started, especially at the beginning of this season, and Mando doesn't take his helmet off. I was like, what? Like, Mandalorians take their helmet off all the time in the Clone Wars. Like, what? what is this dude? Like, <laughs> it, like, the rules, like, are broken now? I don't know. Like, it just didn't make sense to me. But then, as the season went on, they there was an episode, and in fact, one of my favorite episodes, where it addressed that exactly, and it like was really uh, important for the character characterization of Din and his progression and his story arc. And I thought it was great. So it was like, okay, we're gonna break the rules, so to speak, to further explain something later along the lines. And so I think the same thing is gonna happen with the dark saber. You know, Dave Filoni was involved in the Clone Wars and in Rebels, so. He, uh, he like he wrote that part of it when Sabine or when Sabine gave Bo-Katan the dark saber earlier. So clearly he's got a plan now. Uh, so I have I have faith in them, but I think maybe that's again one of those other things that just kind of breaks the episode for me after the fact. Yeah, in the moment it was great. I loved it, 
after the fact, I was like, this makes no sense. So yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, Rob, you know, um, obviously you, you say you, you want to start the Clone Wars and you want to check that out, but w- without having the, the knowledge of the fact that's already happened with the Darksaber, what were your thoughts on that scene with, oh no, she has to, you know, she has to battle you for it. I, I did find it funny, like Harrison said, where he's like, just like, just take it. Like, I, I seriously, I could care less. Like, good Lord. Like if I walked by this thing on the ground, I wouldn't even pick it up. Like, just take the damn thing. Um, what was your, what was your feeling on that scene? Um, I also laughed out loud. Um, I mean, he's like, listen, I, I, I have my Muppet that I came for. Um, we're going to go and I'm going to find him some fish eggs. Um, I don't need this. Like it has no interest to me. I've, I'm not at all into this thing. And in the first time I watched it, just the way that Moff Gideon was like so excited to have to explain to him the rules of how the Darksaber works it made me wonder if he knew that he wasn't going to win this battle and he took a dive hoping that he was too valuable of a hostage for him to be killed. And then he would create this situation now where he was going to have to give up the dark saber. He, he believed. And so he was going to release it to Din knowing full well, that's what Bo-Katan was after. And now there would be conflict between those two, maybe giving him an opportunity to get out, escape, have something happen. And you can see clearly, um, you know, he kind of like hides the blaster underneath his, his cape at one point and, um, and made an attempt to get out. And then I didn't really understand why he tried to possibly take his own life. That to me, I didn't, I didn't get that. And we, we've seen, um, Imperial officers, you know, commit suicide earlier this season. Um, actually, in the previous episode with Bo-Katan, we saw it. Um, I didn't get that. I wasn't sure what that was about. I, it didn't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel on brand for someone like him. Harrison, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, can you guys hear me? Uh, I think yeah. I thought it was. Uh... I don't know. It's hard to say. I felt like it was, I, to use the word you talked about earlier, it was manufactured tension. Um, so I, I don't know. I thought it was, I mean, you need tension for your, your, your TV show. You know, I don't watch too much TV. I mainly watch movies. The more I watch TV, the more I'm realizing you got to be able to draw things out season to season. Um, and so in that way, I thought it was well done. Um, you know, in the moment I was like, Oh yeah, he's right. Like, and it just kind of like added to the menacing characteristic of him where he just like, you know, he, I don't know. But after the fact, it was like, this is just, there's something going on here that, that isn't fully realized or fully explained. And obviously he ended up with the dark saber in some way. So maybe it has to do more with that, that maybe he got the dark saber from Bo-Katan in some way. So he knows all the ins and outs and he kind of like, I don't know. I think that they, I don't think he's just like an idiot who's just like there, like, here, let me tell you the rules of the Darksaber for everybody that doesn't know, like, right. exposition dump. I, I think that there's something that maybe I'm hoping we'll see in season three um, because it just is, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's stepping away from it. I was like, this is kind of silly, but I'm, I'm ha- trying to have trust in him. Yeah, I, I don't know if him trying to take his own life there at the end 
certainly I've read a couple things where if this is tying into the overall arching storyline of the Skywalker saga, which a lot of it appears to be, um, I think maybe he was trying to prevent the fact that he knows maybe some of the things that lead up to episode nine and the rise of Skywalker. If, if he's been taking Grogu's blood and they've been working cloning, uh, he probably knows a lot about what they're trying to do. Um, there was another mention of people wanting order. Uh, so it seems like he was part of the, like, the blueprint, so to speak, of bringing the first order to the galaxy. So I was maybe interpreting it as, whoa, if they for some reason are able to get things out of me, like our plan is going to backfire. They're going to be able to stop it. I don't know that I'm necessarily right, but I, I kind of got that feeling that maybe that's why he was willing to say, um, I'm, I'm just going to take my own life instead of letting you, letting you capture me. But, uh, so Rob, um, I, you know, Harrison's gone uh, a couple times here with some of these things. So I'm going to let you start. And I, I think we're at the point in the episode where we can certainly talk about, the dark troopers are at the door and then everybody stops and we see an X-wing fly by, you know, Rob, what was your thought when the X-wing flew by? Were you okay? I know who this is or was it, well, maybe, but I don't think they would do this. Where did like your anticipation start? Like where did this scene like take off for you? Because I know there was a certain point where I just kind of got like overwhelmed. Um, so I'm curious as to what your thoughts were when that X-Wing flew by and we started to see the reactions of, uh-oh, who's here? So we we see one X-Wing show up and we have every reason to believe that the person in there is most likely a Jedi that Grogu was in contact with um, when he was on the scene stone. Um I actually initially thought it was going to be Ahsoka again. And the reason I felt that is because we already have a live action actor and it was a phenomenal episode. Um, it seemed like it worked really well. It seemed like the characterizations worked really well. Um, I fully expected actually when uh, Din, you know, kind of got the posse together to go save baby Yoda, that she would be included. I, I kind of expected her, you know, and we did get a little bit of that. You know, we pulled some of these characters that we'd seen in season one and, and, and throughout season two that were introduced to us. And he builds this crew to go get um, Grogu back. Um, I actually kind of half expected her to be there at some point. Um, and, and I kind of thought, okay, she's going to show up, you know, our heroes are, are at death's door. There's, there's these terrifying, you know, cyborgs about to break this thing down and just smash them into bits. Um, you know, it, it's going to take a deus ex machina device to kind of get them out of it. You know, kind of like what we saw with the ice spiders, you know, when the, when the Republic guys showed up and, and blasted them. Um, so I kind of thought it was going to be Ahsoka. Um, and I, and I kind of thought that up until I saw the green lightsaber. And we had kind of theorized at the end of, of the episode with the Seeing Stone who it was that Grogu was reaching out to, who we might see. You know, we talked about Mace Windu. And, and Matt, I think you and I, and actually Harrison, I think you were on that episode. You know, we thought, would they actually, I mean, Luke would be around. He would be rebuilding the Jedi Order at that point. Um, it, we thought maybe that would be possible. But I don't know that any of us really thought they would actually go there. 
Um, so we see the dark cloak. We see the, the dark hood. The green lightsaber is there. And I'm thinking, are, are they? And then I kind of, I still didn't believe it. I still didn't believe they were actually going to do that. Now, we know that they've done de-aging before for characters that had appeared, you know, 30 plus years ago in, in other films. We've seen that two other times throughout Star Wars. So we know that they're willing to do it. But I still wasn't quite ready to believe that Luke himself was actually going to show up. And then when you see the black glove, too, on top of the green lightsaber, on top of the dark cloak, you have no choice but to accept that it is him. And man, oh man, what a payoff do we get? I mean, Luke is built up as this, you know, this Jedi Knight and things like that throughout, um, you know, Return of the Jedi. And then certainly in the sequel trilogy, we have every reason to believe that, you know, he's he's a, a cross between, you know, Gandalf and, and, a, and a warrior mage and, and all these other things. We, we have every reason to believe that he lives that existence before it all falls apart. But we never really see Luke Skywalker just absolutely kicking ass and taking out whole groups of enemies the way we do here um it's very reminiscent of the scene in rogue one where vader shows up and just completely mops the floor with everybody in his path and it's awesome and it's terrifying um but it was good to see um you know luke actually doing the things that we believe he could he was ever going to be destined to do and and i think certainly we, we talked about it earlier these dark troopers were built up to be incredibly terrifying villains and, and very powerful and, and certainly a force to be reckoned with. And he goes through them like styrofoam and it's awesome. Um, and, and I, I've seen some people were critical of the CG and, and it was, it was kind of weird to look at. I was okay with it. Um, it I, I wasn't personally bothered by the de-aging CG. Um, it, it didn't particularly bother me. Um, what, what did you guys think? Uh, Harrison, I'll I'll let you go. Um, what did what did you think of this uh, incorporation? Because I again, I know we had a, a brief conversation, so I'm I'm curious to to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think this is I've been holding this in because this is really the part where the episode really just fell apart for me, um, and I think that this is the biggest part where I'm an anomaly in the Star Wars fandom. At least that's what it feels like. I'm sure that there's other people, but in the general public, the, those that are making videos and making podcasts and, and the people creating content for me to consume about it, I feel like an anomaly, an outlier. Because I saw the X-Wing come in and I thought, you know, it might be Luke. And l let me say this. The way that they had it, you know, where the camera or the, the little security footage is black and white beforehand, you know, they, they, it was just great. I loved the way they did it. It was, it was good suspense, waiting for the reveal. And then the green lightsaber comes into frame. And I, genuinely, my re immediate reaction was excitement. I was like, no way. It's not Luke. They wouldn't do that that soon. And then I saw the black glove, and I was like, it is. And so it was just like exciting to see Luke in that way. And then my mind immediately started racing like, well, are they going to do de-aging? Is it Mark Hamill? Is it some other actor? Is it Sebastian Stan? Like I just like started like crunching the numbers, so to speak. Um, and then it got to the point where he comes to get Grogu and then R2-D2 shows up and that was awesome. When R2 showed up, I was like, oh, that's just the cherry on top of this great moment um, for characterizations that we all love about Star Wars. Um, and then as the season's coming to the end and I'm watching the credits, I began to have a, a bigger and a bigger and a bigger problem with it. I, I don't have anything against Luke. And this is what I've been holding in to say. 
the way that it, Luke was portrayed, like Rob said, as like a Jedi Knight at the top of his game, you know, very reminiscent of the Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. We just see a Jedi with awesome power. And it was great. And I think my understanding of the consensus is that's the Luke that so many Star Wars fans have waited to see for years. They've imagined them and waiting for them for, for that Luke for years. And I thought that that was great. The way that they handled the character of Luke, I thought was wonderful. But the fact that it's Luke and that now the Mandalorian is even more connected to the Skywalker saga than it was already starting to be, I think is what bothers me the most. Because one of the things that I loved about the Mandalorian, especially season one, is that it wasn't part of the Skywalker saga. And whether this means that the following season is going to be a part of it or not, it just connects it maybe a little too much for me where I really don't like it, which I don't know why I didn't have that same reaction with Ahsoka because it's the same logic. So I'm really like trying to work through it in myself where why is it that Luke makes me feel like it's too connected to the Skywalker saga where not so much with Ahsoka? I don't know. So it's this weird thing where I'm so excited that Luke is portrayed in this way that we've all waited for, and it's, it's amazing. And I'm bothered because it's Luke, and he's in The Mandalorian, and, and The Mandalorian should be The Mandalorian, not Luke. And it, it's like these two opposing ideas in my head that in any given moment, either one is winning. And it's weird. You, you know, uh, Harrison, I think maybe with Ahsoka is because even with – okay, so the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy and what's dubbed as the Skywalker saga, um, you know, up until just – this year it's not like ahsoka is really put together in that group i mean she really is when you talk about her she is a clone wars character but obviously everybody knows who luke is and um i don't know i don't know if that's maybe why it holds a little bit more weight to you about it being like geez can like the mandalorian maybe just be the mandalorian and not cut so far into you know what we've already gotten but i just i actually want to ask a quick question you both mentioned it it's very reminiscent of the hallway scene with darth vader in rogue one have any of you actually watched the video of the comparison of those two scenes next to each other I didn't even know that was a thing, but I need to see it now. Yeah, I, I feel like you should post that on your Facebook page. Well, yeah, what, what I'm actually doing too is I'm, I'm I'm posting it, and I actually have sent it <laughs> to the two of you together um, <laughs> as, as we're doing this episode because it is absolutely wild how much they mirror each other which i think is really cool um but it is it's something to see and i will post that to the the social media page as well uh because it's it's quite something but you know i have a little bit of a problem with the de-aging because they had a really hard time if you really watch it the few lines of dialogue that Luke has is very, very out of sync compared to the way that the mouth moves on the, the DH face um, for Luke, uh, for Luke Skywalker. Now I will say one thing, if we get more of Luke in the Mandalorian, 
Uh, have you guys also heard the rumor where there's a huge swell for fan from fans for Sebastian Stan to actually play a, a young Luke Skywalker for live action? Have you guys heard that? Oh, I think it's perfect. He looks so much like him. He it's um, Rob. Have yeah. you have you seen them? Um, yeah, I've seen. There's there's um, if you get the right picture, you know where it's taken, where both guys are taking, you know, a picture from the same angle and have kind of their head tilted in the same position. I mean, they look like they're they're brothers. Um, they they look very much alike, and and I think certainly Sebastian Stan is a, is a very very good actor in his own right. Certainly, he's worked with Disney before. I think there's a lot of things there that make sense. Um, however, if you, if you decide to do that, you've already shown us Luke in the Mandalorian world as a CG de-aged character. It would feel weird to me that all of a sudden they're going to say, okay, well, we, we showed you Mark Hamill's face on somebody else. Um, now we're just going to completely undo that. Um, I, I kind of hope we don't really get any more of Luke almost as much as I want to see more in this world, as much as I want to see more of that time period, as much as I think, there are absolutely fascinating stories to tell. Um, if we do get that, I hope it's I hope it is someone like a Sebastian Stan, and they just cast him, they do him as his own show, and they don't kind of mix and match. That that feels kind of disjointed to me. But you're right. I, I think where there was a lot of of articles that were written during season one about why the show works so well, and many of those articles focus on the fact that it was disconnected from the from the Skywalker saga. They didn't feel like they had to connect to the larger continuity. They didn't feel like they were stuck telling a story as a piece of that. They could just tell whatever story they wanted to tell with whatever characters they wanted to use. And throughout season two, it slowly and slowly got more and more intrinsically linked into the Skywalker saga. And certainly when you have a Skywalker show up at the end of it, it's kind of hard to get much more linked than that. If you want to make a criticism about this episode, if you want to make a criticism about season two of the Mandalorian, you can absolutely say, now I'm going to say, I, I love the show. Um, Matt, you and I spent a lot of time during these recaps talking about how we're just giving the keys to the kingdom to these guys and letting them do whatever they want because they've earned the credibility because it's great television week in and week out. And it's something that we look forward to week in and week out. And, and we're not quite sure how we're going to make it to Christmas Day next year when we get more um, and how excited we are for these other projects that are coming out. So let me just get that on the table. But if you want to make a criticism, it, it felt like season two to some extent was kind of evolving into a commercial for every other new star Wars show. And then making you have to go back and watch the two animated shows that have already been released and are now on Disney plus. And, and it was an unconnected story. And now it's, it's really kind of latching itself into the Skywalker saga. And, and certainly the end credit scene here, if you really want to get, break it down to that level is just a commercial for another show that they're getting ready to give us, which I'm excited about. That's fine. Get me hyped for something that's going to be really good. Um, but if you want to make that criticism, it's a fair criticism to make. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe it's definitely fair to say that it might be, almost too much. And as much as I kind of appreciate the fact that maybe they're trying to tie some loose threads together, you could also say, cause I mean, I really think that this is leading 
to the explanation of how we got Snoke, why Palpatine returned in The Rise of Skywalker. But at the same time, I sit there and think to myself, well, maybe you should have done that in the damn movie then. And <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> not had to to backtrack and almost be like, hey, look, we know you weren't necessarily happy with this, but we're figuring out a way to explain it. Well, maybe explain it in the movie that you were shooting and let this be what originally it looked like. Now, again, I it seems like maybe over the past couple of minutes here, maybe we're kind of like dumping all over this property, but, and that's not the case because I still will, you know, I'll be there day one. I'll be reading message boards. I mean, God, it's a whole year. It's like, come on. Like, I I can't believe it's that long to get something else. Um, But at the same time, yes, as, as much as I would like to get some explanations and I think they've done a decent job. Part of the, the, push of the Mandalorian was that it was like, okay, this is a completely separate story that still exists in this longer universe, but it's like, oh, here's characters that were doing something while our other heroes were off in their own adventures. Like, this is cool. Um, I, and I hope they don't lose that in season three. Something it that I... Uh... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say something. As you guys have been talking, I've been listening, I've been thinking about, as I've been recording my episodes, one of the things I've consistently talked on is how well Dave Filoni and John Favreau have maintained a balance. You know, when Ahsoka was introduced, it was awesome. But so much of it was to serve the story of Din and Grogu. I mean, it revealed Grogu's name, and it revealed a connection that the two of them had. When, I don't know, pick... Boba Fett came back. It was furthering the story of Din and Grogu. And while we all those exciting things happened and so many more this season, including making the Skywalker saga as a whole a little more tightly knit, it was all serving the characterization and the story of a cowboy and his puppet in space. And it's an <laughs> awesome story. And it, it all of it. I, and it, so I think that it's, I think that I've got to give them more credit because even this episode, if it's harder to swallow because Luke Skywalker showed up, like you say the name Luke Skywalker in Star Wars and suddenly everything is so much different, you know, like introducing Luke Skywalker, like you said, Matt, is completely different than introducing Ahsoka Tano uh, just because of who Luke Skywalker is. So I think that just like, was a huge chunk of the episode that was really so small. And what it did was again, further serve the story of Din and Grogu. Like any Jedi showing up this, it just happened to be Luke Skywalker created a powerful moment that I was extremely touched by between Grogu and Din where he took off his helmet. And that was awesome. And I, I really liked that. So I, I think that I like to nitpick the little component, but if I give myself, like, to take a deep breath and I realize, you know, they haven't given me a reason not to trust them. I'm clearly not the one involved in this roundtable meeting that's planning this whole thing out. I'm trying to piece the things together in my brain, and they're going to reveal things to me as necessary. I trust them. And I can see, even in this moment that's a little heavier than others, it's still serving the character of Din and Grogu. So I just got to gain that, give them that same trust that they've definitely earned. I think that they're still going to maintain that balance. I think maybe there even proof that that will be that way is that it is 
some kind of cheap, almost deep, deep fake looking Mark Hamill. You know, like I think that if this was a character that was going to be here a long time, they would have cast Sebastian Stan or somebody else. They would have let someone besides Mark Hamill do it. But if it's going to be like just a touchstone on the character and pay respects to the legacy that he's holds, let's let the man who's made that legacy do it and let's make it good and let's make it a way that the fans will appreciate it. And then let's quickly get back to this story that everybody's here for. And that's the story of Din and Grogu. So I think, uh, again, like I said, there's those two forces in my mind that are fighting between. And I think, again, the one that's saying that this is a good thing is winning right now as we've been talking. Yes. So let's, because we really haven't up until this point, because he's not in a lot of the episode, though. But let's let's touch um, on Grogu and Din because, and like we said, uh, very early on in the Mandalorian, we learned that okay, this is a you know this is about these two characters, and there's going to be people that we meet along the way. But this story is about them, and it takes turns, and it turns into a, a father son relationship. But it was never more apparent the absolute bond that these two formed than in this episode. And you get it with Luke telling him that he's waiting for permission to be able to leave because he doesn't want to go because he can tell how much, uh, you know, Din cares for him. And then him removing his helmet to allow Grogu to, like, touch his face before, who knows, um... You would certainly think that wouldn't be the case, but in in terms of story, we have no clue how long it's going to be before these two see each other again, if actually ever, because um, that could be a real possibility if you really think about it. Um, we might get more Grogu, but it might necessarily not be with Mando. Um, I thought this was like the most like emotional part of this episode obviously and the most overall emotion i felt for these two characters uh just because it it somewhat to me felt like a real culmination of maybe we wouldn't see them together as unusual as that unlikely i should say as that sounds uh, there's a small part of me that thought maybe this was this was it like they these two were actually saying goodbye there's definitely that possibility um i think throughout this this last scene um we've talked about it throughout uh, this series but we we see the kind of the chinks in the armor that din has with regards to his belief structure of the mandalorian creed that he was raised in um, after his his parents were were murdered um we see him start to doubt certain aspects of it Uh, certainly meeting bo katan um, leads him to understand that there's there's other ways of, of being a Mandalorian. Um, there's things that are more important maybe than than just that. And, and I think when he takes the helmet off, like it, it doesn't even really seem to me like he thinks about it too much. It's just um, I, I you know because because Grogu puts his hand up and he just pulls it right off. You know he he doesn't even really think about it. And to me, I almost read that as if I run into you again, I want you to actually know what I look like so that we'll recognize each other. And and you can actually look at me and see me who I am and not just through, you know, the, the shiny mask. Um, 
and when he takes his helmet off and, and Grogu touches his face and then he looks down and he's hugging his leg, that just gives you literally all of the feels. Like every single <laughs> feel there is, you just get them all right at that moment. And if you don't, then then you're a hard-hearted person and uh, we can never be friends. <laughs> and and I'll tell you what, like when, when he says it's time to go and, and, and Grogu's starting to walk, like to me, I was like, oh, this is probably what it's going to be like when I take my kids to college. Like, I'm going to be a mess. I just know I'm going to be a mess. If I can't handle Din dropping Grogu off at Jedi camp, I will never make it when my kids eventually go to college. Like, it'll just be, I'll be a, a slobbering mess. I just, I can already see it. Yeah. Um, I, see, I didn't have to deal with that because Brandon went off to college this year and it's, opening up a damn computer so (laughs) (laughs) so maybe virtual learning isn't all that bad right right exactly oh my god i can't believe you had to hit the power button like you know um (laughs) but you know harrison how did you uh, how did you feel about how these two characters you know left each other and do you get the sense that maybe they they won't see each other again because i i have one little thought too after after we get your reaction to these two saying goodbye to each other yeah i i don't remember the exact word that it was said but din said something like i'll see you again i promise or, or something like that and I, I think yeah he he, yeah something like that along those lines and I, and there's also just like the the what's the word i'm searching for the the, the real world reality that that uh grogu is a cash cow for disney and they're not just right. gonna like send him off and not cash that in anymore. So yeah. like, I have trust that like he'll still be there. But I've never even thought about the possibility that you guys presented that yeah yeah maybe he still will be there, but he's not gonna be with Mando, and that's like a whole nother level of heartbreaking. And I think that it's it's a very possible reality. Um, whatever happens, their relationship is going to be forever different. And for that reason, that was really them truly saying goodbye because it's different from that point on. You know, they've gone their separate ways. Din's going to go after with his dark saber, become Mandalore and fight for that planet back and deal with Bo-Katan being Bo-Katan. And, you know, Grogu's going to meet Kylo Ren here, or I guess I should say Ben Solo here pretty soon and have to deal with his broodingness. You know, like their experiences are about to completely diverge. And when they come back together, I hope that that love, of course, will still be there. But it's if they ever come back together again, it's it's just different now. And so, to make that to answer your question sh- simply, uh, their relationship, whether it's together or apart, will never be the same. And that is just it. It wasn't. It was going to happen sooner or later. But it's just heartbreaking in in the best type of way, as that a heartbreak can be. But it it definitely is. Yeah, so um, I'll bring up this point first, and uh, Rob, we actually, I think it was in a, a group text message that we had with one of our friends, but do, are we living with the realization that that a-hole, Ben Solo, eventually kills Grogu? <laughs> you know, um, hey, listen, Mace Window can show up and save the day. <laughs> Um, somehow and we don't know the answer yet but somehow Grogu did survive order 66 we don't know exactly how his memory was dark 
um, but he survived it somehow. So we know yeah. that he had to have been around and he had to have been receiving training when that was going on. It's possible that he could survive a second sort of Jedi genocide. Um, it's certainly possible, but Harrison, I couldn't co-sign more what you just said, that it's hard to imagine that Disney allows a, a character this profitable to them to just go off right off into the sunset to kind of borrow a Western trope like, like the show is um, and just never reappear. Um, I mean, the amount of it, honestly, there, if you said to somebody, Oh yeah, I'm going excited for a new episode of the baby Yoda show. Like everybody knows exactly what you're saying. In fact, I know people that don't even call this show, the Mandalorian, they just call it the baby Yoda show. And everybody immediately knows what you're talking about. It's, it's unfathomable to me that season three doesn't include him in some way. It might be a few episodes. In fact, I'm going to just go ahead and predict that when we eventually get trailers, we don't see him at all. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I don't think we see him um, in any of the trailers. Um, and I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself when, when we start looking forward to season three, but um, I, it's so hard for me to believe that that's the last we see of him. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it is. Uh, just to what degree do we see him is is certainly going to be the question. But you know that'll be obviously we can get into that in some of these uh, these after show thoughts here that we're going to talk about. So, Rob, I'll start with you. What is your actual review of this episode? Um, we've certainly said some good things. We've we've said some points that you know kind of stand out to us as not being overall positive but what's your overall thought on this episode you know it's a solid four for me um certainly um it, it gives me everything i want out of a great episode of television it gives me every most of the things i think i want out of a out of a season finale um Again, there's 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 some problems here and there. There's some things that when you when you go back and rewatch it and start asking some questions about what it is that you're seeing and why you're seeing it, um, you don't always have answers to, and um, that's that's what keeps it from being a five for me. Okay, uh, Harrison, uh, you certainly seem to be the most uh, critical, and not in a bad way, <laughs> um, of this episode. But you know, what was your initial reaction like rating for this episode and has it changed at all from from thinking from talking about this episode what what's your overall thought of this episode um i think to just explain the journey when the episode ended like when it ended and what like before the boba fett scene when those credits started it was like a four and a half uh and then the credits took a while to get to the boba fett scene and then the boba fett scene happened and then i was sat there thinking about it and it, like, just immediately dropped down to, like, a two. And then, kind of thinking about it before the podcast, it was just kind of sitting at a two. Like, I had hardly anything good to say about it. Um, and then having talked with you guys, I think it's about at a three and a half. I still think that there's some, like, I would probably, well, I'm not going to say that. But well, what I was going to say is I'd probably never rewatch this episode again, but that sounds a bit drastic. Um, so it, it's one of the weaker episodes for the season for me. Um, but I, but having talked with you guys, I think it's a great addition to the season. So I don't know. I'm still kind of a toss up. I said it's a three and a half after the talking with you guys, there's more good. I see in it now. So yeah, you guys help definitely changed it. Okay. Uh, I have to give this, this episode to me is almost like rise of Skywalker. 
there's a lot wrong with it when you stop and think, but at the end of the day, I don't care. Um, it was to me, it's just like, it's just fun. It was, you know, again, I, I'm not going to lie the feeling that I got of seeing the X-Wing and then seeing the glove and seeing the lightsaber and seeing that it's Luke. And then art, like I probably got, like more excited, like seeing R2D2, like, just like, Oh my God, like he's here as well. Um, there's just too much sort of nostalgia there for me to say it overrides some of the things that, yeah, we can sit here and talk about it and be like, well, a lot of this doesn't work when you stop and think about it. Um, and that's how I feel about rise of Skywalker. But again, like I, I just don't care. Um, I had fun there were certainly enough moments where there's a lot of emotions involved. So I would give this actually four and a half for me because there's just, there's just too much giddiness in terms of my fan reaction to really think negatively on this when I just look back at it. So I would give it a four and a half for me because I just, I like the nostalgia factor of it. But, you know, Rob, you you had some ideas about talking future content for the season. So why don't you kind of like lead us in that direction of maybe start us off with a with a couple of your high points. And, you know, Harris and I can certainly uh, certainly counter and, and talk about ours as well. And, you know, even get into some of the, the low points of what we thought of of this season in general. Sure. So looking at this whole season, um, you know, Matt, you know, I've had the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun, you know, kind of recapping these and breaking them down and, and kind of speculating about what we think will come and and sharing with your listeners, you know, some of the Easter eggs we found along the way to just kind of help um, enjoy the Star Wars universe just a little bit more, um, which is, I think, what a good Easter egg is always for. Um, so I think for, to look at starting with the high points, um, I, I've really enjoyed some of the Easter eggs they've given us throughout. Um, I've really liked that they've done a, a true redemption of certain characters or certain ideas or maybe things that the films handled poorly or that the fans disliked that the films had done. I feel like the show has kind of gone out of its way to sort of correct or change the perception of Um I think there's there's been some great, I guess I would call them guest characters that appear for a single episode and, and then we don't see them again. Um, I think we've had some, some great uh, options on those. Um, there's true emotion and heart throughout this season. And, and we even get it from characters who don't speak or have the ability to show facial expressions. And in some instances, we get true emotion and heart from characters who just make noises that we don't understand. If you think back to the frog people um, in the passenger and and the heiress at the beginning, when Frog Lady, which is I guess her official name, which feels weird to me, like we couldn't come up with a Star Wars name for that. We're calling her Frog Lady, like that feels weird to me. Um, but when she reunites with her husband, like we can't understand a word they're saying, but the the emotion is still there. It reads. Um, the music, uh, we, we spent a lot of time talking about it, but man, what a score. Um, and, and the use of music throughout the variety of, of types of music that are used, the sound that's used. You know, we, we talked there, there's electronic, there's dubstep, there's, you know, these big orchestral uh, moments um, that are just fantastic. More than anything, Star Wars is fun again. 
and it's not controversial if you like or dislike the wrong film. You know, certainly you can say what you want about, <laughs> uh, you know, certain uh, films. Uh, um, and I know both of you guys like The Last Jedi, and that's just weird to me still. But that's okay. Like, you know, people people can can like that movie or not like that movie, and and you know, there's certainly people have strong feelings about it, but. But this show has made Star Wars as a whole fun again. And you don't have to worry that you're going to get a clunker of a movie. And then you have to wait two years for something else to come out and, and hopefully see where that payoff is. Um, some really great action scenes. Um, some truly funny scenes and some truly funny just little moments um, throughout. Um, and I, what I also liked that, I, that we saw is there's some compelling conversations that maybe go a little deeper into some, some philosophy and some different ideas than what we normally get from Star Wars. Um, we kind of talked about it a little bit this episode, but you kind of start to get introduced to the idea that maybe not necessarily everybody in the Empire kicks puppies in their spare time. You know, like maybe they're actual people, too. And, and maybe they think in their story, they're the good guys in the New Republic are the villains. Um, you know, we kind of get more of that in this. And, and obviously, it's, it's hard to talk about the high points without getting to how many fun little cute moments we have with Baby Yoda and Grogu. Um, those were my high points. What did you guys have? Uh, Harrison, I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you piggyback off that. Yeah, well, Rob, you said about everything that I could have said. If I have to pick like a high point throughout the whole season, though, I would really say, as I've been looking at my past notes and and just thinking about it, chapter eleven, the the heiress, chapter twelve, the siege, and, and chapter thirteen, the Jedi. Those three episodes are like the high point of all of Star Wars. I would say that's maybe a little hyperbolic, but th- those three episodes, those three weeks, I just remember being so excited about Star Wars in, in a way that I did not expect the Mandalorian to be able to do in the way it like makes me like the prequel trilogy more in the way it liked the, the sequel trilogy or the Clone Wars, or whatever, just like what it did for my love of Star Wars. I was not, ex- I was not expecting on top of that. There were great characters. There were some of my favorite episodes. There was great action. There was great humor. The music was great. The, the, the visuals and cinematography and, and, and iconography and imagery was great. The characterization and, and character arcs and emotion is great. Like, just anything that you could want in this m- format was there. And then there was Star Wars on top of it. And it was really good Star Wars. And look, to use what you said, Star Wars it was just fun again. And, and those three weeks, I remember when I sat down to record, like, I was just, I was just so happy. I was just so joyous just because of the, the quality of, of entertainment that I was having about a, a particular galaxy far, far away that I care about. Um, so yeah, there's some, there's many high points, you know, speckled throughout the entire season and every episode. But if I had to pick one, it would be those three episodes in succession. Uh, I just loved. Yeah. You know, certainly for me, uh, the score Harrison, I, you mentioned this earlier in the, the episode. I, I'm much like you. I have a lot of soundtracks, you know, on my Amazon music account, that's what I use. And I listen to them a lot. Uh, I have like the entire X-Men first class soundtrack. I've even like texted to Rob being like, Oh, have you ever heard this actual score? Like you should listen to these ones. These are really good. Um, So the score is obviously a high point for this show. 
I, I think Rob made a really good point of, you know, that original Star Wars opening crawl is so iconic, but I believe in its own way, the opening to the Mandalorian has, you know, really hit a certain level too of recognition um, with fans. Uh, obviously seeing Ahsoka for me, it was a really, really high, you know, high point. I thought she was played incredibly well, probably better than I could have hoped for actually based on how popular of a character she was based on the clone wars and even being a huge fan of Rosario Dawson. I, I did not expect her to really own the role like she did. Um, I, I thought it was just perfect casting. So, you know, uh, to not repeat what you guys said, there's a lot of high points. I agree with, with a ton of yours, but do you guys mind if I say one low point and then you can piggyback off that? Quite right. So uh, my low point is I just talked about how much I really enjoyed seeing Luke Skywalker. And it was pretty wild that, you know, he's come to this television show. But one of the things that to me was a low point is, and it seems like it was this way in the sequel trilogy as well. Do any of you guys know how you could explain how do none of these people how does nobody know who the hell Luke Skywalker is? <laughs> like we're only yeah, yeah, it struck me as weird. We're only five years removed in this universe from when he defeated the Emperor and destroyed the Death Star. But like, nobody knows who this guy is. Like, they literally ask, "Are you a Jedi?" No, I'm like. I, that is really to me, and I, I spoke earlier about how some of the, the scenes in this show this season made this world feel really lived in, like, Rob, you've used that phrase before. Um, but that is one of the things that really made it seem kind of as a separate like entity, so to speak, because I, I just don't understand how nobody knows who this guy is. I, it, it really baffled me. To, to me, that's that's a low point for me. It did feel really weird. And I get that our galaxy far, far away doesn't exactly have a galactic version of Instagram where Luke can just sort of pop out his cell phone, take a selfie, felt cute, might just blow up a Death Star later, IDK. Like, I get that, that doesn't <laughs> exist. But it does feel weird that nobody knows who this guy is. Like, maybe you've heard of him. Like, you know, like especially the Mandalorians because they have such a history with Jedi. Like it, it does kind of feel weird. And, and also for Cara Dune not to immediately go like, Oh, that's Luke Skywalker. Like she was a rebellion soldier. Like that's weird to me. Yeah. Uh, that's Harrison. I've never thought about that. Yeah. Um, it, it just it, it was certainly a low point for me. Um, the the other one, like for me, that would be a low point is I really thought we'd be able to see him more than once, but why did we not get to see Cat again? Um, I thought Timmy, Timothy Oliphant was really, really good. I thought he had a great presence. I was really expecting to see him again, uh, to not be able to bring him back into the fold, so to speak. Um, that that would be another low point for me for this season, was only getting to see him once. 
I did expect to see yeah, him more. Um, he was good. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm reflecting on that first episode. That was a great episode. We had a crate dragon. Like that was that was an epic, really big episode that just like, yeah, but nothing happened. Like he got over right. his armor. That's the only thing that's important to the rest of the season. Uh, and I guess that would be the low point. Is like for such a great episode, like it's really kind of forgettable because it means almost nothing for the rest of the season. Um, besides Boba Fett's armor. Um, so, yeah, I, I I really like that, and I would have loved to see more of that character as well. So I, if I had to pick one, the lowest point, it would just be the lack of him returning. So yeah. I've got some low points that I have here. Um, I Yeah, I would have loved to have seen more of him. It sort of felt like they were setting him up to come back. And, and like I was saying earlier, I kind of expected Ahsoka uh, to be part of the posse that was going to get him. And I kind of thought maybe we'd see Cobb Vanth again. I thought we'd see a lot of these characters potentially show back up to, to ride into town and, um, you know, help, help Mando take out, um, you know, enough of the empire to get baby Yoda back. Um, other low points that, um, that I had, I have written down and, and some of these are going to be repetitive to things I've talked about throughout the season, but, um, when, when they had Grogu eating the eggs and it was played for a laugh, um, it felt weird to me at first. Like it felt like that's not okay. Like it, it, it wasn't supposed to be a, a moment of dark humor and it, it just didn't play well. It was clearly intended to be funny and it's adorable. And, you know, he's just mowing down on these things, but you know, it, it almost was like, I want to say the week after that, like they already had a pop vinyl of him going after the eggs. Like it was already ready to go. Like they thought this was going to be cute and funny and people were like, had a really strong reaction to that. Um, and they kind of had to come out and explain it later. Be like, Oh, well they only, they only need one. They only make one. Like only one of those needs to survive. Like they kind of had to get in front of that because people really didn't like it and had a very visceral reaction to it. Um, so to me, it just, the whole thing kind of came off as a miss. Um, but yeah, as, as I'd said before, just absolute garbage stormtrooper like decision-making and, and just, it doesn't make sense. Like they're just bad for the sake of being bad. Like our heroes are clearly wearing plot armor throughout every time a stormtrooper shows up. Um, the believer episode to me, especially was the worst of, of that kind of, of example. It was very clunky at times, despite the fact that Bill Burr was fantastic again. And, and there were some mm -hmm. really great moments. And by the way, there's been some amazing memes that have been out there as a result of the scene where he shoots the, uh, the Imperial officer. Like that's been a lot of fun. Um, there's been so many good points of that, that it just the rest of it felt like a letdown. Um, a lot of the episodes felt like fetch quests. You know, we'd kind of talked about that before. Um, and something we've talked about earlier tonight, are they trying to do too much? Was our little show about, you know, uh, the Mandalorian and his adopted son trying to find a good preschool for him? Like, that's what it started out at. And all of a sudden, it feels like it's getting bigger. It feels like things are about to explode. It feels like things are going to move in almost a Game of Thrones direction with people vying for power and control. Um and, and to some extent, was this show starting to become a commercial for every other show and film that they're they're sending down our way? Which, look, we're all going to watch. We're going to watch all of this. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it does kind of make you wonder, um, you know, were they trying to do too much? Yeah, I could, I could certainly see that. And 
I want to piggyback because I didn't mention it, and it was mentioned earlier in the thing, but I do want to point out one more high point, and that is the ability to make you see both sides of the Rebels um, and the Empire. I thought they did a fantastic job of that in a way that Star Wars has not done that before. Um, so I, I didn't mention that as a high point for me, but I, I did want to just bring that up that they did a fantastic job making you see both sides of this equation, so to speak, and how, you know, each side views themselves as the good guy and each side really has losses that they take pretty seriously. Cause that was one of Maze's like great scenes where he's in you know, that, that mess hall or cafeteria, whatever you want to call it, just talking about all of the people that he lost on that mission um, and how it's just eaten away at him every day since. So I, I thought that was a real high point for this show is, is making you see both sides of that equation. But Rob, what else, uh, you know, what else do you have? Like, what are you looking forward to in, in season three here with where do you think this is going? Almost kind of like Harrison's hypothesis where what are you expecting season three to be? Cause it certainly has the look that we might get something completely different than what we've got in season one and two. It, it doesn't seem like it might be a small scope anymore it certainly seems like we might be heading in a, a, a bigger direction. Yeah. It, it feels um, like events are happening that our characters are, that we followed for two seasons are involved in that are starting to get much bigger than, than just what they themselves are involved in. You know, it's hard after this adventure is over to just imagine that, you know, Din, you know, he, he wipes the tears from his eyes and, and certainly the other people in the room, you know, you could certainly see, uh, you know, Cara Dune had a very visible reaction to, to Grogu leaving with Luke. Um, you know, so they, they kind of look around the room that, oh, Moff Gideon's so lame there, we should do something about him. Um, you know, <laughs> okay, guys, what happens next? Um, it, it's kind of hard for me to see Din just going back to Mandalorian, you know, like, is he just going to start cruising the galaxy, trying to find a new ship and, and bring pucks back, either warm or cold, your choice. Like, I, I don't see him going back to that. It's almost impossible for me to see him just picking that life back up. Um, I, he did, first of all, he doesn't have a ship, so he has to go find one. Um, is, is he going to do something about the fact that he is now in possession of the Darksaber? Is that going to create the conflict that that leads season three is is he going to just kind of find a way to just take a dive and just give it to Bo-Katan because what is there now for him um I, yeah I really I'm certainly very curious to see what happens with the Boba Fett show but this this season left in such a way that you have questions about what's going to happen but you really don't know like you really have no idea I don't think that I know what next season is going to be like yeah, Harrison, what are your what are your thoughts? Where do you think season three could potentially go, or where do you maybe hope it will go? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I, something that's been on my mind a lot is actually part of the Disney's investors meeting or whatever it's called, where uh, Kathleen Kennedy was announcing all the Star Wars shows that are coming to Disney Plus. Uh, so the first one that she mentioned was Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka, and how both of those happened during the time of the Mandalorian. 
And she said something interesting. She said, all of these will culminate in a climactic story event, which maybe that like, just was a statement that I shouldn't be paying too much attention to. But I think that there's going to be something where these three seasons, The Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and The Rangers of the New Republic, all kind of converge into one big event. Um, I'm a little worried about that, to be honest, because I want this small story to stay small. Um, but at the same time, I'm extremely excited because of these characters are some of the Star Wars characters that I began to care about more than I ever knew that I would. Um, so as far as like my hopes, what I think is going to happen in the season, I hope that we get a little bit more uh, of Grogu getting older. You know, baby, Grogu, baby Yoda can't be baby Yoda forever. He's going to grow up. And one of the things that I always talked about in my episode is, or in, in my podcast was how I thought it was interesting that the episodes of The Mandalorian put such an emphasis on how much Grogu was eating food, whether it was a fish eggs or it was some spider thing that got him into a bunch of trouble or it was these blue little cookies that was adorable. Like, he was always hungry. And maybe Din is just a bad dad and doesn't feed him. But <laughs> to me, it seems like it was an important detail. Like, he's growing. He's getting bigger. He needs sustenance. There, there's a change that's coming. Uh, so I, I hope for that. I also hope that we get to see Mando, or as in Din, become Mandalore with the Darksaber. Um, definitely want more of that. I think that's really interesting. Um, I also think it would be sweet. It's kind of doesn't make sense now with what happened with Grogu leaving with Luke. But I would have loved to see Grogu become the first ever, or I guess not first, but the second ever Mandalorian Jedi. I just, you know, mm. I thought that would have been cool. And who's also, and whatever the name of that race is that he is, you know, I just thought that, that would have been really cool. It seems a little bit unrealistic now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that they find a way, if they really do want to take these three seasons and have them culminate in a climactic story event, do that. But keep it small. Like, like kind of like you said, we, we, you talked about The Rise of Skywalker, but I, I like it. I lo There's a lot of good things I have to say about it. But one of the biggest problems that I have with a lot of films you know, not just Star Wars, is that it can kind of get a little trite when it becomes the ultimate good guy versus the ultimate bad guy for the fate of the entire galaxy. Like, it, <laughs> it, when the stakes are so big, they're so small. You know, like, when everything matters, nothing does. And I, I want the story to be able to stay small. Um, and I trust them, so... Uh, that's kind of my hopes. Uh, and, you know, and Mace Windu. If he can show up, you know, I really put a lot of money into that bet. I'd like it to turn a profit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there – I definitely think there is definite substance to what Kathleen Kennedy said because I have read articles now that – um, and now with Boba Fett, that these four shows um, will really, I don't know if either of you um, have watched any of these shows, but like with the CW network where they have Flash, Arrow, uh, Legends oh. of Tomorrow, it leads to one big uh, crossover event where all of these characters come together. Um, and some of these articles now that I have read have classified it as an Avengers level event that will, you know, these four seasons will, will lead up to. And if I had to guess based on all of the characters coming together, 
I feel like it's going to lead to um, Admiral Thrawn just based on everything that could happen uh, and the context that they can take from. I do feel like he might be the overall, uh, I hate to say villain again, um, because we talked about that, but I feel like he might be the, the nucleus of what these four shows will converge on. And I really like him. I think he has a lot of great content, so that'll be interesting. Um, but it will be interesting to see what, you know, how they keep these shows connected, but also if they're able to keep them contained in a certain way so that it's not, you know, it's not needed um, to watch every single when we will, but I, I still think they need to be somewhat <laughs> self-contained. Um, you know, I think we need to be self-contained, so to speak, where it's not, uh, well, everything eventually ties together. I, I think they need self-contained stories to keep everything interesting because, you know, Rob, like you said, does it just become, you know, is every show, uh, a trailer for the next show. You know, that was one of the big complaints not to talk about something else entirely, but you know, that was one of the main complaints of the amazing Spider-Man two is fans felt it was a trailer for the sinister six and it wasn't a Spider-Man movie. I I hope that's not where these shows, you know, head in that direction where it just feels like a trailer for the next thing. But if anybody knows that it's Disney. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that, that Dave Filoni and John Favreau have earned their stripes, you know, to, to quote Tony the Tiger. And uh, yeah. they, 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 they deserve to do what they're doing. And, and I just hope that specifically with the like Rangers of the Old or the New Republic, like, I think that Thrawn would be a great villain, um, but not from episode one. You know, like, I'm really kind of interested in uh, Trapper Wolf and that other X Wing pilot that I forget the name working with Cara Dune, trying to do all the things that a New Republic Ranger would have to do in an overwhelming part of the galaxy and time in the history of Star Wars. Like, it's kind of the little nitty-gritty details of some Ranger, you know, showing up to work and doing whatever they do. That interests me. Um, But at the same time, I think it'd be epic if somehow these now four seasons or four shows came together against Admiral Thrawn. You know, that'd be cool. So I think they're, like you said, Rob, they know how to do it. They know they know how to do it right. They've got they've got my trust. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, which uh, quick question to here? What would you say based on overall season one or season two? Which one edges it for you guys? Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> oh man another yeah, is, is, hard is, 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 is that another episode <laughs> um i maybe season one because it just came out of nowhere and when disney plus was announced and we found out some of the exclusive content we knew about the marvel shows um we knew those were coming and then but, but The Mandalorian was the first show we, we really got that was going to be a Disney Plus streaming exclusive. And I think a lot of people were like, wait, what? The, so it's a show about no characters we know. It's, it's not telling 
anything that, you know, within the connected storylines that we already are familiar with. And it was a runaway hit. And and I don't want to say it came completely out of nowhere because, as I've said before, Star Wars is probably the single most popular intellectual property on planet Earth. I'm just going to go ahead and say in the whole galaxy because I can't imagine there's anything on Mars or Jupiter that's bigger than this. <laughs> um, and, and so I don't want to say it came out of nowhere, but I don't think anybody expected it to be this mega hit. And week after week, we just kept being more and more interested. We kept being drawn in by by you know this bounty hunter who all of a sudden kind of for no other way of putting it falls in love with with the the target that he's supposed to turn over and he does turn over and he realizes that was a mistake and he'll never be able to live with himself and what he's willing to do to make that right um and that's really the story of of that first season um and, and him trying to get safe and get the two of them safe as a result of that decision that he makes very quickly. Um, season two starts to get a bit bigger. Um, so I think I'm probably just going to go season one. Harrison, what's your yes. an initial reaction? Uh, it's hard. I've, I, luckily, Rob went first, so I've had some time to think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, if I, similar tone, if I had to pick one season, it's pretty hard. Um, I would go with season one just because season two has more things that I, I don't like. Like when I re- reflect on season one, it's just like, it's all sunshine and rainbows. It was just epic. It came out of nowhere and we all fell in love. And the season finale, I think is one of the best. Um, so if I were to pick specific episodes, there are episodes in season two that I love way more than anything in season one. But there's some parts in season two that I'm still kind of ironing out, and so it makes kind of the season as a whole fall a little bit. I also think that, you know, season two, just in the history of TV shows, is kind of difficult. Like, for example, Stranger Things. Like, when you're at a point where you have season one that just blows up, and then season two you're trying to make it a little bit better, but before season two is even finished, you're already greenlit for season three and season four. Like, it's this weird transitionary period where it's like, we took this super small show that nobody expected to be so good, and it's, like, amazing, and we've got to maintain that while also, like, allowing us to go bigger into more seasons. I, I, I think it's – and I, I think that's what we saw this season, and I, it was done well. I just think that, like, it, it, it can make the entire season feel a little bit weak because it's focused on so much more than just what's happening right now. Um, but – there's, like I said, the episodes in season two are some of my favorite Star Wars, period. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think for the overall consistency, season one definitely wins out for me. But there are some moments in season two and some episodes that, like you said, Harrison, um, completely trump anything that happened in season one. It's just that season one is more consistent. I I can't really look back at season one and think of anything that I would really say, "Eh, I didn't really like that. It just, it seemed like such a surefire thing every single week that the episode was good. I I don't remember ever having one complaint uh, coming out of season one after any episode I watched. Um, so I would say season one, you know, edges it for me as well. But 
yeah, there's definitely some moments in season two that are among my favorite Star Wars content that I've been able to to take in. So, you know, guys, this this has been. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, you know, do either of you have an episode from either season that you would skip if you were rewatching from start to finish? Um, because I can't think of one that I would, and I can't even really think of one that I would heavily fast forward through. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I don't think I really don't think I could skip one because with this show and I'll I'll certainly, you know, give it a rewatch. And then when eventually season three hits, you'll definitely see me binging, you know, season one and two again. It'll be interesting, though, to go back and maybe see based on now what we've gotten in season two and see where things are going. If certain things maybe hit a little bit heavier in season one or, you know, hit a little bit heavier in season two based on maybe where we think it's going based on what we know. Um, so I'll be really interested to, to give this season one and two a rewatch eventually down the road to see um if I still have some initial reactions like I did and, or if those feelings are stronger or maybe they're, they're weaker, so to speak, based on what I, what I know now. Well said, but uh, you know, guys, this has been a a lot of fun. Uh, Harrison, it's awesome that we were able to get you on another episode. I, I can't believe we are going it seems like a routine now because obviously doing this for, you know, especially with Rob for eight straight weeks, um, a whole year to go without any Mandalorian show is, is pretty weird to think about right now as we're getting ready to kind of wrap up this episode. But I know Rob, you and I have certainly talked about doing the same thing here with WandaVision and hopefully maybe Loki when that comes out. So uh, Harrison, you're, uh, hopefully always uh you know want to try and jump on these shows when you can because i know i have a blast when you're on um you know rob's enjoyed oh, it love too. That. so um you know hopefully we yeah, keep these things roll- we keep these things rolling with the disney shows but um harrison i do want to give you the floor here um once again to any listeners that are with this show that maybe haven't checked your show out yet from earlier episodes um all this will be in the notes, but, you know, just remind them uh, exactly what your show is and uh, give yourself a plug because you, you certainly deserve it. Your show's awesome. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, again, my name is Harrison. Um, my podcast is called The Basement Binge. You can get it wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean. Uh, the Basement Binge, that's what it's called. Um, it's very similar to Matt's show now. It, uh, you know, I've been doing episodes on The Mandalorian. Um, like I've mentioned, but it's also just I pick some films, uh, some film series more specifically that I'm interested in binging um, and talk about them and why I like them. So it, there's a lot of content coming out uh, really, really soon. So yeah, The Basement Binge, wherever you get your podcast, I'd love it if you, you could download. Um, and for those of you that already have, I've been seeing the numbers. I appreciate you coming over. Thank you for the support. Um, if you haven't, please do. I, I'd love to have you listen. And uh, Matt and Rob, you guys are always welcome on the, the show as well. We should definitely have you two jump over there. And and like you said, I would love to continue with WandaVision because uh, this has been a ton of fun for me. So thank you again for having me. It's It's been a blast. 
Yeah, you know, uh, Rob will certainly, uh, I'm sure Rob, I I won't speak for you. So uh, hopefully we can find an episode maybe soon here that uh, maybe we could jump on. And if Harrison, you got an idea for one that you're doing soon, uh, let us know. Uh, I know, obviously, Rob is is dying, like we joked about last time, to to do The Last Jedi and to watch that movie again. (laughs) He he, he can't wait to to dive into that, that pool. Um, you know, maybe forever ago, for those of you that don't know, the basement binge started out as, an, as a podcast between me and two other friends. There were three of us. And one of the ideas that we had from the beginning was what we called binge to the cringe, where eventually after we got a few episodes under our belt and we kind of had a routine, we were going to pick like either a movie that was really, really bad or one that was really, really divisive. And we were going to watch it. And after watching it, we were going to do a coin flip and, or pick straws or whatever. And one person was going to be the, the jury. And one person was going to be assigned to convince him why it's good. And the other person was going to be to convince him why it's bad. And it was going to be a litigation. Um, <laughs> but now that they're gone, I don't have anyone to do it. I think that would be hilarious to do with um, The Last Jedi. And I don't know. Oh. We'd have to figure out the semantics of it. But that would be a lot of fun. Rob, uh, that does sound you- like fun. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, WandaVision. Look, it's uh, WandaVision releases. I've got it down here January 15th. So, um, oh, that's you know, so as far soon. As these, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, yeah. it's coming up before we – It forever ago, it seemed like we were never getting it. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, shoot. Okay, it, it's finally – it's here. Wow. And for those of us that are going to be just all in on all things Star Wars and, and Marvel that uh, Disney's just going to keep cranking out for us, it does feel like the Mandalorian season three is forever away, but I think we're going to have enough to keep us in terms of just like nerdy stuff that we're going to be super excited about. I, I think there's probably going to be enough and, and we're going to blink and all of a sudden, boom, we're going to have the season three trailer and, and be able to dissect that. Um, and, and we won't even realize it because we'll have had all of this just MCU content um, and other things rolling down the pipe. So yeah, Matt and I had talked about uh, continuing on with the uh, weekly Monday recap show, but we, we don't have a snappy name yet for what uh, the WandaVision recap because nothing works just quite as well as Mondays with Mando. So uh, we'll have to workshop that one a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, definitely WandaVision. I'm looking forward to um, uh, recapping it for everybody. And uh, hopefully, Harrison, we can have you on frequently. Yes, I love that. Awesome. All right. Well, Everybody, thank you. Uh, this has been a lot of fun to do this. Uh, Mondays with Mandos, unfortunately, coming to a close here with the season finale. But, you know, look forward to future content. Uh, and again, check out Harrison's show if you haven't. The Basement Binge, his notes will be in the show recap. And thanks again for listening. This has been a lot of fun for us. And until next time, this has been Mondays with Mando.